0: A moment. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord. We are in for a very, very special, special treat tonight. We have four wonderful young preachers. Church, they are anointed, they are spirit-filled, they are pursuing the call of God on their life. We have first off who's gonna be kicking us off tonight is Luke Kyle. Luke Kyle is a he's he's a man that loves God, he loves ministry, he loves people. We have Mallory. Mallory, who is, she's an anointed woman of God. She's a prayer warrior. She feels called to be a missionary. We have Rashard. Rashard's one of the hardest working people in this church. He has a heart of a servant. And lastly, we have Chance. And Chance is, man, we love Chance around here. You'll see him doing everything from from singing to playing to who knows. you, You can see him on any instrument up here. But they are anointed. They are powerful. And we ask you tonight that you would just preach with them as they're used by God. Give it up for our first speaker tonight, Reverend Luke Kyle. Well, praise the Lord, church.
1: It's mighty good to be back home from all of my travels around Tennessee. Not the world, though that would be pretty cool. Um, Well, we don't have all the time in the world tonight, but quickly I'd like to say thank you to the ministry team for allowing us youngsters to provide to this great congregation what we feel that God has been speaking to us, and I believe that tonight that we all have a word, including myself, that I have a word for you guys uh, here tonight. Um, Having said thank you, let's quickly get into the word. Dad was, pastor was talking about how powerful the word is, and I'm I'm glad he said that because I got a few verses, several, to read from, so let's get into the word. In uh, the 15th chapter of John, starting with verse 1, I did not communicate that to you, sister, I apologize. But we have time, you can get along. Chapter 15, verse 1. It reads, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman, or gardener, if you please. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine." No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine. Everybody say, the vine. The vine. Ye are the branches. That's you and I. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Without me, ye can do nothing. Tonight, with the help of the Lord, I would like to speak on this title. The vine relationship. V-I-N-E. The vine relationship. The vine relationship. Here, Lord, tonight, God, we we ask that you would come. You are already here, and we're thankful for that. We ask, Lord, that not only myself, that you would speak through each of the vessels here tonight, God, and that the word would be anointed so that it would penetrate our own hearts, and, God, seep into our hearts and our minds that we may apply it, understand it. We ask, Lord, in your name, Jesus. Amen. Relationships. Something that... Uh, Comes easy to certain people, tricky to others, and seemingly impossible for some. Relationships. However, regardless of the difficulty that it it might come to you, (laughs) relationships are something that we all uh, have. Something that we have all put time in because it takes time in order to develop one. Symbiosis. The interaction between two different organisms living in close proximation to each other. Most of our relationships that we are aware of and known, for example, our own relationships, are what's known as mutualistic symbiotic. It is in the mutualistic symbiotic category, where two organisms mutually benefit from the relationship. For example, as most will know, the crocodile and the bird, right? The crocodile opens its mouth, the bird comes in, feeds off the food in the crocodile, and then for the crocodile, it gets clean a clean mouth. A, a risky relationship, granted, but a relationship... Nonetheless, the relationship that I would like to talk about tonight is the vine relationship. Not necessarily relationship uh, defined or talked about with our psychologists today, but it is talked about in the Bible and that's what I wanna get into here tonight. Ever wonder, like I have, why Jesus decided in the word of God, as we just read in John chapter 15, why he decided to describe our relationship as vine and branches? Why didn't he describe himself as a lion and we as the lioness or perhaps as a lord and we are his lowly servants or uh, God could have described himself as a powerful dominant God who would rule over his creation like a ruthless king would rule over his subjects. Though it be true that God does rule, not saying that he doesn't, he doesn't describe the personal relationship he has with his creation like that and it's much more intimate. In verses 4 and 5, it reads, abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, you guys, us, me, except ye abide in me. As in, we need to abide in him as the vine. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I am in him. The same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Let's quickly take, for example, the grapevines. This is going somewhere, so stick with me. The grapevine. Who likes grapes in here? I love grapes. I love the big juicy grapes with no seeds in them. Those are my favorite grapes. Okay, the grapevine. Without the vine, the grapes would never grow, right? Do we know basic uh, by bio, Not biology. Botany. Botany. Yes. The grapes need the vine desperately. In fact, like I said, it will not live without it. For its, it needs the vine for its support, for its sustenance, and for its guidance. Because the grapes can never go where the vine isn't and survive. No branch can go where the vine isn't. I'm here to encourage this church, this congregation, that if we would just hold on to the vine that is spoken in the word of God, Jesus, everything will be okay. He is our provider. He gives us life. He walks with us. He talks with us. He supports us. He guides us. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. He is our comforter. He has given us the only saving name under heaven given by men by which we must be saved. Jesus is our salvation. God wants us to be, and he will be, if we allow him, that vine that personally is responsible for our strength. He desires to be with us every step of the journey of, the, of our growth and development. Now, those who have been living for a few years, like all of us, we have experience right under our belt. And with that experience, we have experienced a certain measure of of loss, perhaps, of failure, of heartache, of pain, loneliness, confusion. (sighs) Lord help us. Disparity. And if the word of the Lord hasn't helped you yet, I pray that this will. In the very same chapter, talking about how that is our relationship with God and us, us the branches and he the vine it says in the, in the second verse in the latter half it says in every branch that he beareth fruit he purges it and uh, that it may bring forth more fruit now if you're like me first thought purge right purge to take away to destroy that would be kind of confusing the purging that the scripture is referring to however is like unto a gardener who prunes or cleanses his plants Pruning is the process of cutting away from the plant. That though it's a part of the overall plant, it's cut back so that when it comes, when it continues to grow, it grows back fuller, healthier, and stronger. Allow me to tell you perhaps another reason why God described our relationship with him as the branch and the vines. It's because there will be times where there will be some cutting, perhaps some hurting. Uh, But be encouraged because as we've seen the plant grow we will also grow back stronger, healthier, fuller perhaps. Jesus. The message here tonight is to stay connected to that vine. And we know that everything will play out for the good of those who love him. Wherever you may be in life, know that the vine, know that God will always be there as your source of life, as your guidance, as the vine is to the grapes, as your provision and, those, and for those who are in a bad place, allow yourself to be pruned by Jesus. Allow yourself to be cut back, perhaps hurt. And if you are in there, know that that could be the reason why and that to know you, you're going to be stronger when you get back, when you continue to grow. But the key is, just like how the grapes need to be stay connected to the vine, we need to stay connected to the vine. The vine is the source of our strength. The, the vine is the source of strength. Of of our guidance, of the light, of where we're headed. All it takes is that simple Christian dedication. How do you stay connected to the vine? You're reading the Word. You're you're in prayer. You're in communication. You're in relationship, like God desires to be with Him. I end with this quote, and it's a quote from our very own brother Sapp. A few years ago, he said this. He said, "Aren't we happy that creation didn't argue with God when He spoke?" We need to become like the creation we were created to be to listen when he speaks. And to add on to that, Brother Sapp, we need to become the branches God intended us to be. Making him the source of our strength. Making him the source of our courage and the source of our lives. Now stand with me if you don't mind and, and give God praise for being that vine. For willingly going out of his way to be our strength, to be our courage, to be our provision. All. For his love, thank you, Jesus.
2: Well, praise the Lord, church. Um, as brother Kyle was saying with nerves, I'm very nervous, so I get nervous; my voice shakes a lot. So just bear with me when I do that. I promise I'm not gonna cry. I just my voice just get really shaky when I'm nervous. Um, so I wanted, like, like Luke did. I wanted to say thank you for giving me this opportunity. It's something that's very new to me, and I'm very excited to be able to do it. So thank you for doing that. Um, so when we were asked to do this, we were asked to talk about the topic of encouragement, which I. Was thought that was so amazing because I'm a big person on encouragement. I love encouraging quotes. I love motivating people. I love all these type of things because they just they make you feel really good about yourself. So I wanted to talk about how God's encouragement encourages us to encourage others. So in order to have encouragement, you need to be encouraged by God. So if we could start off with a word of prayer before I begin to speak. Dear Lord, I thank you for this day and thank you for being with us and keeping us safe and protecting us. And I pray as I'm speaking, God, that you are in this message, that you are using me and you are using this congregation. And that is a fulfillment of encouragement, God. And I just thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Alrighty. So the first point I want to talk about is God's encouragement. Now, in order to be encouraged, oh, let me repeat that. <laughs> Sorry. You must be encouraged in order to encourage others. If you have a bad spirit about yourself and you're not really motivated and you're not doing these things, you're not gonna feel the need to go to these people and encourage them and uplift them and and motivate them. As Christians, we know God is our one major source of encouragement. If we ever need a problem, we can come to him, we can pray, we can give it all to him and he's gonna encourage us and motivate us to keep continuing us and to keep thriving. Obviously, we put our trust in him and everything. If we feel broken, we come to him. If we need strength, if we feel lonely, he's our friend, and he lets our paths meet with other people like our brothers and sisters. And he just wants us to continually encourage others. However, even though God encourages us, he knows we need more than that. He knows as humans we need a connection with other people. And if you're lonely, I know for me, I'm a big people person. So if I'm not around people for a long time, I get really depressed feeling, and that's just how I am. Like, I have to be with people. I kind of feed off of that, and it makes me feel really good about myself, and I hope that is for others. So I want to start off with the scripture, First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses, verse 11. And it says, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together, and edify one another, even as also ye do. And I want to point out the big edify one another. So as I was saying about encouragement of God, even though he does talk about, you know, encouraging one another, it's not an option. He actually commands us to encourage one another and to be an encourager. And our point, well, not our point, <laughs> but, you know, in our life, we're supposed to be Christ's like We're supposed to do as he does. And if his one big major, major thing is an encourager, shouldn't that mean that we are also encouragers? And I had to catch my breath there for a second. <laughs> God commands us this because he knows we're humans. He knows that encouragement is a way for us to continue. Whenever we feel unloved, unappreciated, or uninvolved, we can always look to him and look to each other. And I was really curious what other people were thinking about the word of encouragement. So I was asking some people at school, and a lot of people say, you know, giving someone support, giving confidence, or hope, or things like that. But, and I do agree with that, I definitely do, but I think there's so much more to encouragement. It's about showing grace and appreciation and love and friendship, and that's something that we get from God and something that pastor and the Bible and everything teaches us to be a friend, to encourage and show grace to other people, because, you know, we deserve that kind of stuff. And the point of encouragement is not to boost someone's confidence, it's not to feed their ego or their attention. I mean, you can give someone a compliment and say, hey, that's a really nice dress, that's a really nice tie, But it's so much more than that. It's about really noticing things and saying, like, I saw you praying the other day, and I could tell that you were really reaching for God. And I just want you to know that I'm praying for you and, you know, just really making someone feel good on the inside rather than on the outside. And encouragement should be something that we do not to impress someone. It should be something that's very natural. Like, you should naturally go up to someone, and you see if they're going through a tough time. It's not, oh, sorry, that stinks that you're going through that. You're not going to say that to someone. You're going to say, you got this. You're an overcomer. You're on, God's on your side. You're going to say stuff like that. And it's elementary, I know, but, you know, we're always taught, you know, treat others how you want to be treated. And if you want to be encouraged, you should be the one to go encourage people. If, you're not, if people aren't encouraging, you don't expect them to do it back. And then I want to lead on to how God's encouragement causes us to be encouragers. As a church, we're surrounded by amazing brothers and sisters that are always there. If we ever have a problem, you know, all those kind of things. We have certain aspects that we love of each other and that we notice. However, one thing we should have in common is the Spirit of God motivating us to encourage. When you come into this church, you feel an encouragement. It's a staple part of the church. It should be something that's flowing life and All these things, not tearing someone down and making them feel as if they're not important. And I kind of want to back this up with the verse of Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 to 25. It says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised, and let us consider one another to evoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of someone is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as ye the day approaching... This verse is talking about how you need to show love and good deeds to one another, not to neglect our togetherness. Like, that's a very important thing. In order to encourage someone, you have to be with someone. You have to be together with them, and you have to love them and appreciate them. You know, we're surrounded by the, like, Brother Kyle always says that we're the greatest church on this earth, and I do think we are surrounded by some of the best people on this earth, and you shouldn't ignore that. You shouldn't take advantage of people in the wrong kind of way in that sense. You can have a bad spirit about you and expect successful encouragement, but it's not going to happen if you're coming into this church just expecting nothing. And God didn't give us brothers and sisters to take advantage of in the wrong way. He wants us to be together and to worship Him and to love one another. And you never know what your encouragement can do to someone. I know there's been times where I am really struggling and I'm just kind of sitting in the church, and it's not that I'm like wanting someone to come and say, hey, Mallory, like, how's it going? Like, it's nice to do that. But, you know, your point should not be coming to church and kind of just sitting there and acting depressed, you know. Like, you shouldn't be coming. I don't know how to word that. Never mind. (laughs) You never know what your encouragement can do. It's, you know, as simple as I said, you know, going up to someone and saying how much you love them and how much you appreciate them and speaking life to them. I wanted to kind of point out, you know, how that relates to the church. You know, out in the world, there's a lot of cruel things. There's death, there's pain, there's trials, and sometimes it can be hard to go on. It can be tough, and it's not like we can go through things for one another, but we can be there to love one another and to appreciate one another. But I know personally, whenever I'm going through a really tough time, I can always count on my mom, or I can count on um, my friends like Nyanko or Mackenzie or someone to just make me feel loved and appreciated and encourage me. And I kind of want to make the last point with this scripture. It's it's Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 to 12. It says, two are better than one because they have good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat, but how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and threefold cord is not quickly broken. God knows that we can't do this alone. He knows we have to have each other. You know, there's power in multitudes, and I know um, a lot of the times we hear, you know, about how the, this building is in our church, as we the people are the church. And it says if you're a building can't pray for each other, you know, we can't. the building can't encourage each other. The building can't do this. That's all you. That's all us. And we have the power to do that by God. There's power in a church who loves, and there's power in a church who knows how to encourage, and a power who understands the importance of their brothers and sisters being there to stick with them and just to encourage them. So, you know, we, I encourage you to be an encourager and just let, to let you know I have this quote that I have on my lock screen which it really motivates me every day to when I continue doing things. It says we rise by lifting, by lifting others, and it's, you know, in order for that to work, you know, you have to be willing to encourage someone and willing to accept encouragement. And we rise by knowing someone is always there, and we rise by encouraging. So I just want you all, <laughs> so I just want you all, you know, at the end of service, go up to someone that you normally don't talk to and say, Say hello, encourage them, you know, about their week, about their day, ask them if they're going through a hard time to pray for them because you may not know it, but it can really affect them in a way that you might not expect. So thank you.
3: Praise the Lord, church. I want to thank my pastor and all those wonderful ministers up there that entrusted me to speak to you guys tonight. Uh, These are such wonderful messages that Luke and Mallory have preached to us already. Um, I pray that I will be, you know, I will speak to you guys a message that will impact your hearts, that will make you think a little bit. Um, So the title of my message is Encouraged in His Greatness, and glory. And my passage is going to be John 11, 1. Now a certain, certain man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village where Mary and her sister Martha lived. Now it was Mary who anointed the Lord with perfume, oil, and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus. Lord, look, The one you love is sick. When Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness will not lead to death, but to God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Um, If we could all pray. Lord Jesus, we love you, Lord. I pray, Lord, that as I speak to the congregation, God, your word would go forth and touch their hearts, So, God. And anoint my lips to speak your word in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So there's no secret in the life that we live that we encounter many sicknesses, illnesses, troubles, and even trials. But I have come to encourage someone today to trust in God's greatness and his glory. I want to make the bold statement tonight that God has a purpose while you are yet in your trial. There is a reason why you are going through what you are going through. I have noticed in my own life that when we begin to encounter trials and situations, we tend to believe the lie that whatever we're going through is going to take us out. But I've come tonight to let somebody know That your healing is on the way and your breakthrough is on the way and that your miracle is on the way. You just got to trust in God and stay encouraged. God has a plan for whatever situation you are in. So stay encouraged when they come because it's only a matter of time. You can't run from them. You can't hide from them. You can't talk your way out of them. There's nothing that you can do to avoid the troubles and trials that may come. But what you need to do is believe that He is great, oh, and that he is the I am. and then you will be a witness of His glory. When God is about to do something great, there is always a common factor in play. The more impossible your situation, the greater the miracle. So ask yourself this question: Am I in an impossible, impossible situation? And if your answer is yes, I have some good news for you. Because when you are in an impossible situation, you are in the perfect position to receive a miracle from God. Now watch me now. Watch me. Faith does not operate in the realm of possible. There is no glory for God in what is humanly possible. Faith begins where man's power stops, where man's power ends. In order for God to receive glory in your situation, it cannot be accomplished by you. This is why we pray after all. (laughs) This is what we pray after all. We pray for God to move on our behalf. But then when an impossible situation comes, our first reaction is to become discouraged because we can't do it in and of ourselves. We pray for Jesus to take the wheel, the wheel of our life, but we never take our hands off the steering wheel. Rather, rather, we just want God to be our theoretical GPS, and when we don't like a route, we want to change our course, and then we ask God to rerouting position. So, in this passage, we find that when Lazarus was sick, everybody believed and knew that Jesus would be able to heal him easily, no big deal, if he was there while Lazarus was sick. But Jesus intentionally waited until Lazarus died so that he could do something great, something impossible. John eleven six. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he remained in a place where he was for two more days. Jesus told them plainly, he's speaking to the disciples, Lazarus has died. And I'm glad for your sake that I was not there so that you may believe and then he says, but let us go to him. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha and the sister of the deceased replied, Lord, by this time, the body the body will have, have a bad smell because he has been buried for four days. Not only was Lazarus dead, but he was dead for four days and his body even began to decay. That's where the smell was coming from. Now, I don't know about you, but I believe I serve a God who can do all things. How many times do we pray for God to restore our life and God tells us to remove something and we begin to give him excuses on why we shouldn't move that thing he has asked us to move? God may ask us to give up a sin or a bad attitude and we reply to God, but this is my personality. This is who I am. I can't change myself. This is who I am. He's asking us to remove that thing so he can restore what you've been praying for. John eleven forty. 40. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? When he said this, he shouted in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The one who had died came out, his feet and his hands tied with straps of cloth the cloth wrapped around his face. Jesus said to them, unwrap him and let him go. And I'm going to be closing with this. We all face troubling situations in life. No one is exempt. No one gets a free pass. I want to return to John eleven forty. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? This passage tells me that if I can stay encouraged and believe, I would see the glory of God. And whether that results in me getting a miracle or God receiving glory through my life, I can know that he has a plan for me to give me an expected end. And he will see that plan through. Um, And if we could just all raise our hands and thank God for what he's doing in this place. Oh, hallelujah.
4: I want to start off by thanking pastor for this opportunity to be behind your pulpit. Um, The scripture text I'm reading is Exodus chapter 17, 9 through 12. And Moses said unto Joshua, choose us out men and go go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and he went out and fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hands that Israel prevailed, and when he let down his hands, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands the one on one side, the one on the other, on both sides. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. If we could pray. Lord, I pray that your word would go forth, God, and rest on our hearts, God, that we can leave here tonight encouraged in your word, God, that we can lean upon each other, God, that we cannot make it on our own, God, but we need our brother, we need our sister, God. I pray that we would leave here encouraged. Amen. Amen. On January 20th, 2016, Disney released the movie High School Musical. In which the iconic song, we're all in this together, was born. And tonight, that very thought is what I want to present to you. We're all in this together. If you could look at your neighbor and tell them, we're all in this together. Joshua going into the battle with Amalek without a doubt knew that he and the army needed the hand of God if they were going to be victorious. Not only did Joshua know this, but Moses knew this as well. Moses had direct communion with God, so Joshua needed Moses to intercede for him. We see in verse 11 that Moses had his hands raised, that when Moses had his hands raised, the army of Israel was winning the battle. And when he got weak, they began to lose. I want to pause right here and let you know that I don't think it was a coincidence, and I don't think it was just happenstance, that the posture of victory for the children of Israel was the same posture as worship. It doesn't matter what you are up against. It doesn't matter what you are going through. Worship and you will see your way out. Amen. We see in verse 12 that Moses got tired and his arms got heavy and got to the point where he couldn't on his own strength hold up his arms any longer. That's when Aaron and Hur stepped in and gave Moses the support, the encouragement, That he needed to continue to intercede for Joshua and the army of Israel. What I'm trying to tell you guys tonight is we're all in this together. The army needed Joshua. Joshua needed God. God needed Moses. And Moses needed Aaron and her. Amen. Uh, The men in the army had the understanding that I need this man beside me to protect me. I know that the man beside me has put his life on the line the same as I have put my life on the line for him. I can imagine myself as Joshua down on the battlefield fighting, being obedient to the man of God, looking up on top of the hill and seeing Moses with his arms stretched high. What the encouragement, what the encouragement, the morale boost that Joshua must have felt. As Joshua, I begin to feel weak. I look around at all the destruction around me, all the pain, all the agony that surrounds me. In the midst of the darkest hour of the battle, I look up, and the man of God is nowhere to be found. The man of God is nowhere long, no longer there to support me. Did God leave me? Did Moses forsake me? I had almost accepted defeat. I had almost threw in the towel. and And we've all been there. You've been there, alone, desperate, just wanting someone to reach out to you, just wanting someone to encourage you. Then, all of a sudden, I look up, and I see Aaron pushing up the rock. I see her carrying Moses over to sit him down, and then they lift up his hands. I have my support system. God has not forsaken me. God has not left my side. I I now can imagine myself as Moses, starting off strong, both hands high in the air, towering over the battlefield. A little time passes. My arms begin to get weak, my arms are no longer high at full mass, but maybe they're down at a 90-degree angle. My, my elbows have kind of gotten weak. A few more hours pass, and I, I raise one hand high as the other drops down by my side, shaking it, trying to get the blood flow back. <coughs> Excuse me. And eventually, I, I get so weak that I have to turn to Aaron and her, expressing that I can no longer do this on my own. I turn, and I express, hey, I need your guys' help. I need your support. And how encouraging it must have been for for when Moses said that Aaron and her rushes to his side and sat Moses down and Aaron and her became the strength that Moses needed to continue. I want you to understand tonight that we need each other. We need God, we need our pastor, and just as much as our pastor as we need our pastor, our pastor needs us. He needs our prayers, he needs our encouragement. He not only needs to hear our problems, and he not only needs to help us, but we have to lift him up as Aaron and Her did with Moses. It's a full circle, guys. I need you to understand that we're all in this together. Encouragement. I looked it up for an accurate definition. I found that there are three simple definitions of encouragement. One, the action of giving support, confidence, or hope. Two, persuasion to do or to continue to do something. And three, the act of trying to stimulate development of an activity, state, or belief. If these three statements are to be true, then our everyday life is encapsulated by encouragement. We wake up in the morning by the dreaded sound of the alarm clock, encouraging us to get out of bed and start our day. Walking out of the house, we hear, have a good day, from your spouse or or your parents, (laughs) uh, encouraging you giving you the extra support you need to start your day knowing that you would much rather climb in bed. On your way to work or school, your coffee hasn't quite kicked in yet, and you run off the road falling asleep. Those life-saving rumble strips persuade you to stay awake and get back on the road. From billboards to commercials, they all encourage us to buy this product or to believe this idea. Our lives are full of encouragement. I believe that the reason that we get discouraged is not because we lack people and things that encourage us. It is that we buy into the lies that encourage us to believe um, things that contradict the word of God in our life. And contradict who God says that we are. This is what the children of Israel faced in the 13th chapter of Numbers. I don't have time to read it, but we all know the story. Moses, Moses was ordered by the Lord to send 12 men into the land of Canaan. To spy on the land and to bring back a report of what they saw. Mind you, this promise, this land that they were about to enter, it was already theirs. God had already promised it to them. What they saw when they entered was everything that the Lord had promised all the fruit, all the milk, all the honey, it was all there. However, they also saw giants, they saw walls, they saw obstacles. These things weren't what they were expecting. Instead of allowing God's truth to encourage them, they allowed their own perceptions of themselves to encourage them to believe that they could not obtain the land. Numbers 13 and 33, and there we saw giants, the son of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sights as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. That is exactly how the devil gets into the, gets into our minds and encourages discourages us they forgot about the promise they forgot that they were God's chosen people they forgot the sovereignty of God when they they experienced through the plagues of Egypt they forgot the power of God when he split the Red Sea and they forgot the hand of God when he provided the manna they let their own perceptions of themselves to carry more influence on the way on their way of thinking than God's perception of them What would have happened instead of seeing themselves as grasshoppers, they saw themselves as God's chosen people. I want to encourage you right now, hold fast to your promise. God, you didn't tell me about the pain. No, but I gave you a promise. God, you didn't tell me about the trial, but I gave you the promise. God, you didn't tell me that I would lose everything. No, but I gave you a promise. Hold fast to the promise that I've given you. Joshua and Caleb had the right idea. They held on to the word of God and tried to encourage the children of Israel to remember who their God is and to remember who God said that they are. Hebrews 10 and 24, and let us continue, uh, consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. As the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. Let us love one another. Let us encourage one another. Let us believe in one another. And Joshua and Caleb recognized this. They recognized that the other men had been discouraged. They had had been encouraged to believe something other than what God had told them. Uh... But they refuse to sit idle and allow the enemy to win, and neither should we. When we see someone going through something, we should be the first first ones there to give them encouragement. Trust me, in their heads, in their minds, they're already receiving encouragement from the devil. I pray that the sanctuary of the prom beaches will be a place where encouragement dwells. Members of our church should not want to stay home when they are going through a trial in fear that they will be talked about. Instead, they should feel the freedom to call upon a brother or sister and know that they will be encouraged and not talked about. If you are going through it, I'm going through it. We are the body of Christ. And since we're going through it, I'm going to be right there next to you. You can lean on me because I promise I'm going to need to lean on you when I'm weak. If you can, if it's appropriate, will you stand to your feet and look, look to your neighbor, give them a hug, And let them know that we're all in this together.
5: Let's give praise to the Lord right now. Father, we glorify your name. We bless you tonight. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the word. Thank you for the word. My, my, my. Well, we were blessed here this evening. Brother Luke started out by connecting us to the vine. Sister Mallory taught us about encouraging one another. Brother Richard said that whatever you're going through, be encouraged. God's in it. And then Brother Chance wrapped it up by telling us, hey, we're all in this together. We're going to make it. We're going to get through it. Hallelujah. We're not only coming out, we're coming out victorious. We're coming out on top. We're coming out with power and anointing. The glory of God is upon us. My Lord have mercy. One more time for these young men, young lady. Thank you.